A £20,000 prize makes the Edwin Morgan Award one of the largest poetry awards in the UK and we are going to tell you all about it. Welcome to the In Deep Poetry Show! Podcast. Oh, Man, so I was cool. sure yeah. after last week we were this week. <laughs> oh. In 1999, Edwin Morgan was made the first Glasgow Poet Laureate. In 2004, he was named as the first Scottish National Poet or Marker. Macker. Macker. <laughs> you may have seen Edwin Morgan in the news this year as 2020 marks his centenary and the Edwin Morgan Foundation has used this entire year to celebrate his life, career and tremendous contribution to Scottish culture. Here at Speculative Books, we've already been celebrating Morgan's centenary by publishing the Centenary Collection, guest edited by Colin Howard. The Centenary Collection contains poetry and short stories inspired by Edwin Morgan's scrapbooks, including a foreword by Colin Howard and contributions from Liz Lockhead, Henry Bell, Stephen Watt, Katie Veach. Ooh. Oh? I was just, I was, ooh, I was trying to be like, ooh. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Katie Veach, <laughs> Sean Wakeen, Jack McMillan, that's me. Woo! Whoa, Laura Bissell, Russell Jones, Layla Josephine, Cesar Doza, Vanola Scott, and many more. Edwin Morgan willed close to £1 million to the SNP and left another million to set up the Edwin Morgan Award. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff. <laughs> you must have been a previously unpublished poet, but don't worry, pamphlets are allowed. Thank God. Oh. <laughs> and you must be no older than 30. Unlucky. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. All right. Uh, well, you can't do it. <laughs> This year's winner will be announced at an online event as part of Edinburgh Book Festival on the 15th of August, which is how many days away? It's only seven, seven days. days. We... Wait, are we six days, six days now? No, we're seven. This seven is the second days. one. Well. I'm sure we'll probably a day off. <laughs> I bet we will. Uh, we have interviewed all seven poets shortlisted for this year's award and they have all sent us a recording of them reading a selection of their work. Sorry. This is episode two with Colin Bramwell. Uh, Colin Bramwell is a poet, performer and musician from the Black Isle. His first pamphlet of poems will be published in early 2021 by Stuart Rhubarb Press. Currently, he is working towards a PhD in Scots and Literary Translation at the University of St. Andrews. Wow. Yeah, Mm -hmm. crazy. Goddamn. (laughs) Colin did a Zoom interview with Sam that we will hear before his poetry reading. Woo! If you would like to have the Centenary Collection for free... The one that we published at Speculative Books. <laughs> oh, you can sign up to the Speculative Books subscription service. Man, I think Use I will. the code <laughs> Use the code Morgan, M-O-R-G-A-N to get your first month free and the Centenary Collection as your first book. We publish one book a month, which you can get through our range of plans. If you want to see more of that, you can head to speculativebooks.net slash subscribe. Are we ready to hear from you and Colin doing a wee interview? I'm ready. How was the interview? I can't remember. It was so long ago now. Well, fucking, you're about to find (laughs) out. Seven days. Seven Seven days. days. Oh, I'm shaking. It's a week. God, just a week to go to find out. Baby. Baby. All right, okay. Give it up for me. (laughs) (laughs) And Colin Bravo. How's it going? Hey, man. Yeah, Yeah, not bad, not bad. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Sorry, were you in the waiting room for long? No, 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 just, just for a second, man. It's all good, it's all good. Yeah, no, I'm just up north visiting my folks right now. So, yeah, I was, uh, I've been in the Black Isle for a wee, a little while, um, which is fucking, it's so nice to be at the city, man. God, God be said. Thanks for coming on and chatting with us today and supplying us with some excellent poetry, which I'm sure we're all very much looking forward to hearing. But first, I wanted to ask you some questions. Um, 
And the first one is quite a, quite a big one to start off with, but why do you write poetry and uh, when did you start? Oh man, yeah. Um, like, um, why do I write poetry? I think that's a question that like any poet sort of has to ask themselves fairly regularly <laughs> um, because uh, it's a bit of a mission and uh, you don't get much return on your investment of time. Um, that being said, um, when you write a good one, it's yours forever. Um, I don't know. I think that um, I think that there's something that appeals to me about poetry in this sort of um, um, in, the, in a sort of musical sense. Uh, I, there's there's a poet um, from New York called Louis Sikowski who had this um, this equation um, for poetry, which was a lower limit speech, upper limit music. Um, and I was always quite interested in music. Like I I mean I I, I didn't write actually much poetry as a teenager. I wrote like songs and I was always more of a musician kind of than a poet um, and uh, an I so I think that I was but I was I, I read a lot and so I was always like interested in reading and that so um yeah it seemed to me the kind of most it, it's sort of almost like the middle path between uh, between sort of um, music and uh, and sort of speech um but uh, but I also um I don't know I started poetry sort of um I was well, so I went. I went off to university to, to study literature, like a good boy, um, and I thought it was like. Um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I was, and I, and I started writing a little bit then, um, but it was actually only really after university finished that um, I started writing kind of properly in earnest. You know, I think that like um, probably a few people who have gone away to sort of study literature or do a degree in it or whatever it is that that they would find that. Um, you sort of feel the anxiety of influence a wee bit with uh, you're constantly reading kind of like great writers throughout history and um, you maybe come out of it with a sense of having read a lot of stuff but like also maybe not a lot of contemporary stuff and so I started to kind of sort of lift my head up from the desk and kind of become interested in the here and now a wee bit and sort of wanted to write about that as well yeah. Amazing that's great um, and so how does it feel to be shortlisted for the uh, Edward Morgan Award? Oh man, Very yeah, that, yeah. I, honestly, yeah, it feels it feels pretty pretty good, man. Um, <laughs> like it's 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 something that like you kind of sort of spy, like like in terms of because you're always looking for opportunities. I think as a writer to um, get your work out there or get your name out there, and so like I mean, performance is one of those things um, which I always sort of quite like doing, um, and so I've always thought, okay, well. It, that's maybe a test of a poem if I can perform it in the front of a room of people and, and it goes well, maybe the poem's good. Um, but I, but um, I sort of also became aware of things like prizes and that. And, and, and um, I, th I think that this, the, 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 the whole process of submitting is, is quite a kind of um, time consuming one. Um, and essentially you, you kind of like, it's almost like you're practicing at like putting a book together. So it's good to be able to get all your stuff together and, and sort of think about how to arrange it and that kind of a thing. Um, I found that a really useful process submitting to the Edwin Morgan, um, just because it kind of focused your work in. So obviously, once you've kind of made that investment of time in arranging everything, um, then you start to have more of a kind of fondness for it as a complete sort of body of work. Um, and, uh, and, and so you do feel like a wee bit is more at stake kind of sending it off to a prize like the Edwin Morgan. And, so, so yeah, when you get, hear back that, um, that, you know, maybe something about that whole process might have worked um, for someone, um, then that's really nice. Um, and yeah, I think, I think also, I don't know if you're finding this, man, but like kind of lockdown 
um, really kind of made every every time something really good happened, it felt particularly good, and every time something bad happened, <laughs> it felt totally shit. Um, so yeah, I was uh, yeah. Um, this felt particularly good when it came in <laughs> because what else did I have to do apart from celebrate? Fantastic. Um, yeah, I went out for a big walk and I nearly got hit by a truck because I had my tunes blasting. <laughs> I was so close. It was so, I think that would have been an all right way to go out in retrospect, you know. Um, yeah. He died how he lived, walking. Aye. <laughs> Aye. No, excellent. Yeah, that is quite true. Like all the, the good becomes magnified and so does the bad as well. It's like, yeah, lockdown vibes. Um, the So, could you tell us a little bit um, about the collection and uh, what inspired it? Yeah, man. Um, well, a few things um, inspired it. Um, but um, I was, uh, well, I, 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 I think that the, the key for it to me was I, I wrote, I wrote um, a, a series of three poems um, that were all called Jigsaw and the collection is called Jigsaw 2. Um, and then I started thinking a little bit about um, about memory and I, I, what I wanted to do was find a way to kind of talk about memory um, and to talk a, a little bit um, I think about, um, about motherhood and mums um, and and my mum and I suppose some of the stuff that she that she had told me but also um, yeah I have I, I have a kind of quite interesting family background in that my, my granddad was something of a philanderer um and uh, and had many many wives and you know um a series of relationships that would all sort of carry on at the same time and um i've got no less than 14 brothers and sisters from many many different women on my mum's side and um and so i i was maybe thinking a little bit about her story as well but then also i, th I think it was quite a delayed reaction to kind of um a sense of time passing i suppose and a sense of uh uh, yeah, maybe a, a sense of grief actually. So I, th I think there's quite a few poems in there that are um, uh, a reaction to my grand dying, um, and in general to to grandparents sort of getting old and passing on. Um, and so yeah, the, the piece is called Jigsaw, and it's kind of um, it's it's yeah, it, it's it's structured a little bit like each poem is a little piece of a puzzle, um, and but not in not in a kind of way that like you know if you were to the breadcrumbs together you would get something particularly complete but if you sat and read the book from from beginning to end then you would have done something and uh, I think that that's what I'm carrying uh, what I'm holding on to so um, <laughs> yeah, yeah no amazing yeah that's that's great um so do you have um any advice for um new writers with the um Edwin Morgan Awards always quite um pointed at sort of sort of younger writers and sort of starting out writers yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I th and I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's, I mean, as good an incentive as you can get to kind of like sit and, and write and also try and try and collect your work into something cohesive. I mean, I would say, um, I would say if you hand in something, be ambitious for it. Um, um, there's, there's a kind of school of thought that it's like, if you put together a collection of poetry, then it's your greatest hits. Um, and you just choose all your best stuff and you try and put it in the order that makes the most sense. And um, that is probably the principle from which a person should proceed. But <laughs> I would also say um, that it's quite worth thinking about is that, I mean, I became aware because I had this sort of conceit of a jigsaw that there was little pieces missing in the collection. 
and um, so when I thought, okay, I, I want to have something more rounded here, I, I wrote poems sort of specifically for um, for the gaps in it, and I found that um, yeah, the actual process of, of of looking at it as a kind of complete body of work um, made made it much clearer um, when I needed to write a poem to kind of fill in something thematically. Um, um, and uh, and yeah, um, I think also, um, yeah. I mean, I, I would. I mean, my advice would just be like to submit, but like work a lot on the submission and and um, and uh, yeah. I think I think actually just spending a lot of, of time on it and 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 kind of if you can um, taking time out of your other schedule or maybe out of your other writing commitments to do it. Um, I would say road test your material if you can perform if you're interested. I mean, like if you absolutely hate performing, then don't put yourself through it. But um, but I um, um I yeah I, I think um I think also um there's thing of sort of not being too afraid of rejection. You know, if you're a poet in your early twenties um with with ambitions, then you've got every two years you can submit. Um, um, if you're in your later thirty, if you're in your later twenties, it becomes a bit more kind of like the top, the clock's ticking, you know. Um, so I submitted once in in past year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that some people worry about um, about things like like ageism and stuff. And I, you know, like like I would love to see an equivalent prize for writers from thirty to forty and forty to fifty and stuff. And um, like um, if if you submit throughout your twenties and don't get um, shortlisted, then um, it's just it's just it needs more time in the tank you know um and i think that um yeah there's there's no harm in that because like i think i don't know if you find this with your with your own poetry man but like you have to kind of live a wee bit of life and do a bit of other stuff that isn't just sort of sitting there trying to write something good like, in order to actually have something worth saying i suppose yeah yeah so definitely. yeah live i think <laughs> is is is, uh, is you know, no, absolutely yeah. fucking fantastic advice, man. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and the the so the f final question is: Where do you think poetry is heading in the future? Ah, uh, yeah, that's an interesting one, man. That's the kind of question that like keeps you up at night, you know. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, where is poetry heading in the future? Um. <laughs> I don't know, um, and I'm I'm not sure if it's necessarily heading in the direction that I that I would take it. But I, I, you know, actually, I saw a tweet um, from another one of the shortlisted um, um, people on, uh, uh, from the after the Evan Morgan Alicia Pierre Mohammed, mm -hmm. um, and she just tweeted saying that she didn't feel like she belonged to like a school of poetry and that she liked formal poetry and she liked concrete poetry and all of that kind of stuff. And I think that what we're heading for if possible because I, I think there's been kind of historical divides between like how you actually write it you know the kind of like those sort of what is poetry question um like you know there, there there was a time in history where all poetry um had to rhyme and and, and i think that poetry is much better for not having to rhyme now um, <laughs> and i think that um although i mean i i i, I have a, a personal fondness for rhyming poetry i don't think any, i don't think that that'll ever go away you know especially if it's it's if it's for for memory you know if you, you like like is a very basic sort of mnemonic device um, that allows you to to spit something out in front of in front of an audience. Um, what I would say is that it seems like there's a developing audience for it. People want to go and see it as a a form of live art, and um, so hopefully, I think it kind of will institutionalize itself in in within the kind of context of theatre. 
Um, I think it probably already was institutionalized. It's tricky to say that because I feel like every every kind of prediction that you could make for uh, for poetry's future has probably already happened, um, and uh, or at least it's happened at some point in the sixties, and then people have forgotten about it, and then it'll happen again. And I feel like I prefer to see things in a kind of a uh, period of sort of recurring cycles. Um, so I think what will happen one day is that the world will end and then poetry will end too. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I mean, I think that we've survived the last date on the Mayan um, apocalypse calendar, uh, which is which is just as well. Um, so yeah, we're just waiting for the next one. Um, but uh, but yeah, man. I mean, like like in terms of my own biases, I would like to um, I would like to see more in the way of like performing and stuff. And I just I like like I, I miss poetry nights, um, and uh, which is like not sometimes a sentence I thought that I would say, um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but I do, but I do. I, yeah, I like, feel like, you, man. I feel you. Yeah, no, man. I mean, like like yourself, having run like one of the one of the main ones in Scotland for such a long time. I like like you must be missing it, right? Well, uh, it was funny because at first, um, and also thank you for saying that. That's very kind, very kind words. The um, at first it was like a bit of a lovely break because we've been doing a weekly night for so long. Of that course, it was kind of like, wow, like this is this is nice. But I've still got a reminder in my phone on a Tuesday night, like, like a ding that comes up at like five o'clock that says like poetry at in deep, and I'm like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a right, little, yeah. little bit of like yearning for it, definitely. And there's also things that we just want to do. Do you know what I mean? Or we see stuff like this, like this stuff that's going on, like with seeing all these people that were shortlisted for the award. We were like, oh, we would love to have, you know, do a gig and have everybody down and like do like a, a special thing for it. And um, it just the podcast will have to su suffice until until we get to. <laughs> allowed to meet in groups of 50 do you know what I mean? yeah right absolutely but i mean it's really cool of you to kind of to kind of fill in the gaps man i think that's really cool like and um yeah i think that um i mean one one hopes that that, that once it's all sort of permissible that um that there'll be a kind of explosion of people wanting to kind of go out and and, and see things and that like you know it won't make up for 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 however many months worth of shortfall but you know it'll be um it'll be it will feel pretty good, I think, at the time when these sorts of things can 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 reopen, you know. Um, it's all about feeling good, man. Definitely. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But yeah, I mean, one hopes that like um, that the sort of that that that, that kind of direct sort of um, link between uh, people can sort of continue and um, and um, yeah, and I mean, I think that poetry is in an incredibly healthy place, man. There's there's so many fantastic poets, and there's you know even more poets going to come off the back of that. Um, who are going to be very, very high quality indeed, um, and um, yeah, I think I think there's there's no stopping it. Man, fantastic! I think that's a lovely place to end it as well. Um, so next up, we're going to have your recording of your um, of your performance. I can't wait to hear it. Thank you very much for doing these questions as well and Good being man. a part of this. And um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna log off and leave you. We can do a live a live finish. <laughs> live. How exciting. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll, thanks very much for having me, man. Yeah, no, right back at you. Colin Bramwell. Hello and welcome back to the Speculative Books podcast. Um my name's Colin Bramwell. Uh and I'm gonna be reading to you today from my collection Jigsaw. Uh I'll start at the start. 
um, with the prologue for the collection. So I'm going to read it in English first and then, pardon me, in Scots. Prologue. Memories like that, except it's not most of the time. Imagine a child loses a toy. Imagine it's a jigsaw. He takes the box above deck to make some sense of it, and the inevitable happens. Cue tears. Cue the gift of a balloon, rising into space, intact, and never coming down. Now that same prologue, but in Scots. Memories like that, except it's no most of the time. Imagine a bairn's lost a toy, a jigsaw, say. He's tacking the box aboon the deck to make some sense of it. Seconds later, splash. Cue tears. Cue the compliment o' a balloon. Toven into space. And getting speared in a clude what's the shape o' antlers. Burst, its raggy bout lands somewhere unseen. Unboxed, the jigsaw sinks to fathoms. What gang's doon mum no gang up, apart fray in the case o' memory, what operates and with its ain architecture, allowing for the lost jigsaw to fleet surface words. That another hand make the racks forth and pull it free oblivion. Now, turn the page. So, hard to turn a page when you're just reading a poem out. Nevertheless, I'll do my best to turn the page to the next poem in here, which is called Five Sided Poem. Um, it's a poem with five sides. Extraordinary. Um, five-sided poem whatever the opposite of music is is playing I was planned but my twin wasn't my father got home from work and said honey let's try for a poet my twin is better at poetry than me which is why he retrained as a chef but I haven't heard from him in years. On the posh side of town, the drunk man in leather trousers lies across the pavement, surrounded by single-portion pizza boxes, and everyone steps round him. World, I write lies to keep time with you. So the next poem I'm going to read is called Jigsaw. Um, it's one of three poems in the collection called Jigsaw. Uh, together they make a little story. Um, so here's the first part of the story. Jigsaw. Improbably, she left you a jigsaw of Prestwick Beach in her will and nothing else. You're not grateful and you won't pretend to be. Your mum gives you an earful, storms off. 
the box comes down from the shelves. This may solve the breach. Something on the cover is catching you. Your mouth opens and a pint of recognition swills it shut. You've been here before. Your eyes begin to deke out this uncanny door, the sharp gold sand, the wooden struts, abandoned houses to the south. Now you are allowed to, you could almost swear that nothing from this scene has changed. A bearded collie still bounds in the tide, the ring of its bark somehow resounds off the cardboard, echoing in deranged silence around the timeshare. This is surely déjà vu, a memory with a mawkish tint. This painting of a beach, two towns away from where you grew up, is replete with inconsistency, like the weird buttercup sun you can't recall peeking through grey clouds, cross-hatched and quaint. You don't know why she bequeathed this crap jigsaw to you, but feel duty-bound to spend at least an hour on it. Three hours in, and you've just assembled the sunset. On the kitchen table, some of Aaron contends with a bowl of coleslaw. A genuine concrete memory is very nearly earned, by this incomplete portion of old shards, but its meaning escapes slowly, as if the jigsaw was an adult speaking only by spelling out forbidden words her child has not yet learned. Next poem. This poem is actually a translation of um, of a poem by a favourite poet of mine uh, called his name's uh, Carlos Drummond de Andrade, and uh, I'll, I'll read it now. It's called Loch. I haven't seen the sea. Is it braw? Then he can. Is it raj? Then he can. I then I give a shit about the sea. I seen the loch. I, the loch. Lochs muckle and life and all. The afternoon goes bang. Liar lift, rain falls, skyr in the loch, pent in it, every colour. I haven't seen the sea, I've seen the loch. Okay, this all seems to be working. The recording seems to be happening. The audio's working. We're about halfway through. Um, so uh, I don't smoke anymore, but I used to. And um, I used to enjoy having a fag break 
halfway through things. So here's my fag break set in Edinburgh. Um, this poem's called Fag Break, George IV Bridge. A sliver o' licht, through which one plume o' superannuated clood rises o'er the heeds who pass, each registering a sunset with a quality o' miracle. Some thoughts mac deeth worth risking. Exhalations o' a granich fluor vault the walls o' flodden. Deek at it and blin yourself. Even at sicken angle, the sun's mere deedly to sicht than hunners o' fags to a lung. But for noo, you're hiddled for the danger. Blown smoke at a sunset with a quality o' science, licht kythen through the splendour o' a granite frame, and recalling that we dinna have one name for sick phenomena in language, but a million. Inhale, man, you've made it this far. Let's go back to the jigsaw. I'll read you the second jigsaw poem. You've stayed up half the night working on the damn thing, and the timeshare has become a happier station. Your mother brings you a cup of tea. You tell her that the noise she heard just after three was your foot, kicking the table in frustration at the pieces that were clearly missing. She suggests that, as it's nice, you could go to that beach together for a walk. Your dog tired, but decides to act with grace. On arrival, you realise just how permanently a place can be forgotten, if forgetting is required. The memory, now strong as bleach, you stow it in the cupboard below the sink and take her arm, but don't forgive her yet. You do the minimum to ensure the wind won't blow her away. You throw her a curveball by requesting a story. It'll make the walk go faster, Mum, you say, to your own alarm. She tells you about the watch that her father bought her for Christmas. It had a black strap. As it was new, she didn't ask what it cost. A few weeks later, he sat her down and told her it was lost. But at the funeral, I was talking to your Auntie Sue, one of your granddad's secret daughters, and she told me it was hers, that he gave the watch to her. She sounds just like a little girl when she's said, She's glad Sue kept it safe. The bearded collie barks out and is silenced by a wave. You grip her arm and couldn't ask for less than what she's just conferred. Your memory now clear as Aaron, you look out to the spot where twenty years ago this woman was scolding you 
for throwing your new black coat in the sea, to watch it dip and float out to the island on that golden wake you forgot. So folks, I think I've just got time for a, for another couple. So let's skip all the way to the last jigsaw poem. You return to the timeshare, renewed and buoyant, in spitting distance of finishing the task. After the effort of last night, you're over halfway. As the day concedes to moonlight, the jigsaw sheds its underwhelming mask, declaring itself clairvoyant. Once you assemble the last crucial quarter, two small figures click into place on the tide. A mother and her adult son, her arm around his side, each inhabiting their own small piece, as fixed as water in two glasses with only her arm to bridge them. The little shallow line between pieces, just one generation. Your mouth swings open, noticing the cosmos of her kitchen tablecloth, puzzle upon puzzle. The unseen planetary stains, the frayed hem inscribed with a circle of waves. They point your tired eyes back to the jigsaw sea where the black jellyfish of your jacket floats. Turning penitent, you search the beach for other ghosts, but it will not grant your wish. No more surprises. No invisible ink on Aaron. No logic to the pattern of stains on the tablecloth. Your mother walks in to find you slouched in retreat, clocks the missing pieces. From the depth of your defeat, her voice, I've made you something, son. I've had it framed. Bordered in bright silver, an old photograph of a small child on your grandmother's hip, holding a globe. Your first Christmas, she says, and between your eyes, the isthmus floods on both sides. Your vision slips away, the collie laughs. And finally, um, I'm going to read epilogue to the collection I think we just got about there I'm a wee bit over time but epilogue the real gift of a floating off balloon is in the action it necessitates the looking up the wave the see you soon the passive world the child reanimates the red without which blue cannot be known to blue surrenders. In this act of sinking, one beloved thing is lost in time. Better not to turn what's gone to stone. Not to write what one ought to be thinking. 
there is better refuge in the unknown. The jigsaw sinks. The sea around it doesn't. The sky is what it keeps, although it isn't. We are made of what we have forgot. Memories like that, except it's not. Thanks very much, folks.